our reading today, we are in that section where these pilgrims are occupying Beulah's land. <coughs> and uh, we come to see now, we watched, listened, and watched as Christiana crossed over. I underlined in that preceding paragraph from the one in which we start today, we start one that begins with the words, in process of time. And the paragraph just prior to that, I underlined the two verbs used to describe her passing. Bunyan said she went and entered. <laughs> She went and entered in. Couldn't it be said more simply or more correctly? And the passing of a blessed saint. They went and they entered in. This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. The Lord said to the malefactor on the cross. But we begin reading today, in process of time, there came a post to the town again. And his business was with Mr. Ready to Halt. <clears throat> so he inquired him out and said, I am come from him whom thou hast loved and followed, though upon crutches. And my message is to tell thee <clears throat> that he expects thee at his table to sup with him in his kingdom the next day after Easter. <clears throat> Wherefore, prepare thyself for this journey. Now, Scott makes a note here and says that evident decays of natural powers, that is, physical disease, things that will certainly eventually cause this building to crumble, evident decays of natural powers as effectually convince the observing person that death approaches as if a messenger had been sent to inform him. But man, men in general <clears throat> cling to life willfully overlook such tokens and try to keep up to the very last the vain hope of recovery. And others by a kind of by a kind of cruel compassion soothe them in the delusion. That's a cruel thing to do. When you know a person is dying. And they've had this controversy in the medical world for some time. I read a book here about a year ago written by a nurse uh, that talked about this, the medical com community shifting their opinion somewhat. Doctors are taught in medical college, even when they know that the patient is dying, they have always been taught to give them some kind of hope by continually suggesting another medicine or 
or another procedure or another something. And don't ever just stop and say, look, I've done all I can do. You're not going to live. They were taught not to do that. I don't know if that has changed or not. As of the writing of her book, it had not. And she was pressing a strong movement to try to change that in the medical community. But it's a cruel thing to encourage people in a delusion. When they're dying, it needs to be said so. And not lie to them. He said a kind of cruel compassion. They soothe them in the delusion. So that numbers die suddenly of chronical disorders, even if they have had been shot, uh, even as if they had been shot through the heart. Perhaps, however, the author had some reference to those inexplicable presages of death which some persons evidently experience now that is a truth whatever you make of it and I don't I intentionally do not try to analyze such things because there's no scripture to guide my analysis but there are people who for un inexplicable he describes them some inexplicable method, they have a premonition that they're going to die. For what it's worth, whatever you think about it, it does happen. And uh, But the note that Scott is making here, he's just pointing us out to the fact that there are certain conditions and certain things in which the very condition itself alerts you to the fact that you are going to die or that death is very near and very imminent and then others may simply have this notion with no external evidence to base it on so but by whatever means Mr. Ready to Halt was given we don't know whether through sickness or premonition whatever you want to call it but whatever means, Mr. Ready to Halt was made to know by this heavenly visitor that he was going to be called home. Bunyan says, then he also gave him a token that he was a true messenger by saying these words. I have broken thy golden bowl and loosed thy silver cord. Scott says these tokens are taken from a well-known portion of Scripture. The dealings of the Lord are here represented as uniformly gentle to the feeble, trembling, humble believers, and circumstances of their deaths comparatively encouraging and easy. Now you understand, this is Mr. Ready to Halt, that is being talked to here. And so there is a very particularly gentle and easy approach for him to his death because he is, after all, Mr. Ready to Halt. And so he gets this gentle message from this uh, messenger, and the messenger 
verifies that it is in fact not just some delusion, but that it is a true messenger and that the message is, is true by giving him this quote, this uh, comment. He says, I've broken thy golden bowl and loosed thy silver cord. That's a wonderful text of scripture. Back when I was reading <clears throat> and doing the reading that I did that resulted in the little book I did, I read a number of sermons from that, from that text of scripture. And, uh, he says, uh, that's Ecclesiastes 18.6. I've said, see the joyful end of one ready to halt at every step. Take courage from him, ye lame, halting pilgrims. Uh, I've been saying, take a look at this scene. Those of you now, here today who could be described as ready to halt take a look at this scene and take note of what with what care and kindness and ease the Lord makes it for those who are already ready to halt <laughs> the Lord is so kind and so gracious McGuire concerning ready to halt said, And now this lame and limping pilgrim is summoned. He has leaned upon his crutches hitherto, but now the chariots of the Lord await him. They that trust God's promises, lean upon his word, shall have the full enjoyment of them all shall have the full enjoyment of them all in the land where there is no more hope or promise for all is the full fruition of eternal glory. We take not the promises with us into heaven but leave them behind us for other pilgrims in the way. We don't need them anymore. <laughs> We don't need the promises. We'll leave those behind. And dear Mr. Ready to Halt, when he crosses over, he won't need that. He won't need that anymore. Bunyan goes on and says, after this, after this visitation, Mr. Ready to Halt called for his fellow pilgrims and told them, saying, I am sent for. God shall surely visit you also. So he desired Mr. Valiant to make his will. Now, I don't want to get into a discussion necessarily. And uh, this, of course, is man's writing. It's not inspired of God. We often read Bunyan and almost make the mistake of thinking we're reading the Bible and why not? He's so full of it, full of the Bible. But it's curious to me, Christiana, Christiana, when she approached her crossing, she called for Mr. Greatheart. 
But Mr. Ready to Halt called for Mr. Biden. <laughs> That's interesting. He desired Mr. Valiant to make his will. And because he had nothing to bequeath to them that should survive him but his crutches and his good wishes, therefore thus he said, These crutches I bequeath to my son that shall tread in my steps with an hundred warm wishes that he may prove better than I have been. Then he thanked Mr. Greatheart for his conduct and kindness, and so addressed himself to his journey. And when he came to the brink of the river, he said, Now I shall have no more need of these crutches, since yonder are chariots and horses for me to ride on. The last words he was heard to say were, Welcome life. And so he went his way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Welcome life. Welcome life. Overton in his lectures on these portions of Bunyan said all this, dear brethren, is deeply affecting and full of encouragement to us who are yet on the wilderness side of the river. I like that expression. That sounds like a good sermon title or a book title, doesn't it? On the wilderness side of the river. <laughs> Have any of you the testimony of your conscience that you love the Savior in, uh, sincere, in sincerity? while you are so deeply conscious of your particular and special infirmity, that you are sure your obedience has been very lame, and you appear to have been following, as it were, on crutches. Well, I say to you, only strive against your particular infirmity. Follow as you can. If you follow as you can, if not as you would. That's good counsel. Simple counsel is good counsel. Follow as you can, if not as you would. Go with your crutches, if you cannot go without them. Derive all the benefit you possibly can from every providential help that is mercifully afforded you by the way to the very end of your course. Especially value the ministration of the word, Christian fellowship, and communications of those who walk charitably and know how to make every allowance for the infirmities, infirmities of the weak. By these you will be encouraged to hold on your way even to the end. But oh, remember a time is coming. It may be very near. When an express messenger will be sent to assure you that the time of your departure is at hand. 
when the silver cord is unloosed, when the mysterious tie that binds the deathless spirit to her mansion of clay is snapped asunder, and the long continued, and the long continued, the dear and familiar partnership between your body and soul is dissolving, will that be a time for you to have much to do? Oh, live now and pass through the world with your journey's end constantly before you that when the master cometh and knocketh, you may open to him immediately. Dear brother, ready to halt. Was named by that name, was he not? He was called by that name, ready to halt. But he kept going, did he not? He kept going until he came to cross the river. Much counsel from many commentators, but all saying the same thing. Good counsel. If you keep going, if you are unable to go as you would, as well as you would, just go as you can, but keep going. Good counsel, excellent counsel. A good lesson to be learned from dear, dear, dear old Mr. Ready to Hall. Bunyan says, after this, feeble mind had tidings brought to him that the post sounded his horn at his chamber door. Then he came in and he told him, say, I am come to tell thee that thy master hath need of thee, and that in a very little time thou must behold his face in brightness. And take this as a token of the truth of my, mes my message. Those that look out at the window shall be darkened. That's Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 3. Those that look out at the windows shall be darkened. Now this was given to him as a token that he is a true messenger and that this message is true and that he should receive it. Then Mr. Feeblemind called for his friends and told them what errand had been brought unto him and what token he had received of the truth of the message. Then he said, since I have nothing to bequeath to any, to what purpose should I make a will? As for my feeble mind, that I will leave behind me, for that I shall have no need of in the place whither I go, nor is it worth bestowing upon the poorest of pilgrims. Wherefore, when I am gone, I desire that you, Mr. Valiant, would bury it in a dung hill. This done, and the day being come on which he was to depart, he entered the river as the rest. His last words were, Hold out faith and patience. 
So he went over to the other side. McGuire says of him, Mr. Feeblemind, the former, this former victim of giant slay good is now summoned to his rest. In feebleness, he had trod the path. He had gone softly all his days, but withal he had been faithful to his king. For this he's rewarded at the last, and as a sickly, weakly child is taken to his father's bosom. In deep humility he had walked, in very humiliation he ever loved to live. His deathbed was a lowly cot. And no better burying place does he desire than a dunghill. To this humble-minded man is now the messenger sent. Friend, come up hither. He invokes faith and patience to abide with him to the last. And passes peacefully to the other side. These are all glorious scenes. I hope you know how sacred they are to stand by and watch these saints cross over. Each carrying to the river, each carrying to the river their own individual infirmity. But none of those things cross over. We'll stop there and pick up reading again with the scene from Mr. Despondency's passing. Is there any that would like to share or question or comment on these two passings today? Yes. Well, the commentaries that I looked at all seem pretty unanimous to the fact that he is simply offering to his son what aids he has, knowing that he probably has his same propensities, struggles, and he leaves behind him the only thing he has to give him, with the wish that he would do better than he's done with it. That was the general consensus of those that I've read. Right. 
Yeah, amen. So heavily. Hmm. Absolutely. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That good man. <laughs> yes. Then came in that good man, Mr. Reddy, to halt to see her. Sure. 
scenes of death. How beneficial they are for us to view them before we get there. All right, let's pray together.